Welcome to the Let the Stray Show, your one-stop destination for intriguing conversations with extraordinary individuals who are boldly navigating life outside the conventional norms. Our host, Scott Fullerton, is thrilled to embark on this journey of discovery with all of you. The Left a Straight Show, we believe that every person's story is unique, and it's our mission to showcase the diversity of human experiences. We bring you the untold stories of fascinating people who identify as LGBT plus and allies, pushing boundaries, breaking stereotypes, and making a positive impact in our communities. On this show, we bring you a diverse lineup of inspiring guests, from activists to artists, and entrepreneurs to entertainers, and everything in between. We dive deep into their personal journeys, discovering the pivotal moment that has shaped their lives and careers. You can expect thought-provoking discussions on a wide range of topics, from LGBTQ rights, social justice to arts, culture, mental health, and more. Our guests are change makers who share their insights, challenges, and triumphs, igniting conversation that promotes empathy, understanding, and love. So whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or an ally looking to expand your knowledge and show your support, the Left to Straight show is for you. Together, we can build bridges of understanding and acceptance, celebrating the beauty of what makes us all unique. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for the show. everyone welcome back to the left of straight show interviews i'm your host as always scott fullerton and it's the holidays and one of the things i am so blessed with is the opportunity to talk with celebrities and personalities from the areas of entertainment foodies books music and advocacy with friends from our lgbtq community and of course our amazing straight allies today i have two special guests joining me in studio Kevin McHale is back for his second time on the show, and I'm excited to welcome Austin P. McKenzie for the very first time. Separately, they are amazing performers on stage, screen, and in music, but together they are a powerhouse couple, encouraging each other in their art and creating beautiful memories together outside of work as well. Take a look at their music collaboration. We'll be back on the other side. Skies are hanging overhead. I can see your world hanging by a thread. Don't worry, don't worry. Sending my love through the ether. The mountains crumble at every touch. The oceans pour for flesh and blood. They call you. Send in my love through the ether So I say a prayer, say a hymn for you Thank you. 
Sending My Love Through the Ether, of course, sung and performed by my very special guest today, Austin McKenzie is here, along with his boyfriend, Kevin McHale. Guys, I can't wait to talk more about music with you and welcome you to the show. How you doing? Great. Thank you for having us. Good to see you again. Yeah, doing good. Good to see you. Nice to meet Austin. Happy holidays to you. All sorts of festive things going on, I'm sure. So oh, thanks yeah. for taking the time. Oh, no, thank you so much. We're happy to do this. We don't often get asked to do things together. So this is fun. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad I get to do it. Uh, of course, for the listeners out there, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Kevin played Artie Abrams on one of my favorite shows, Glee, along with his own music and dancing and all of his performances. Austin wowed audiences on both coasts with his performance as Melchior in Deaf West Theater's Spring Awakening. We'll be talking about that later as well as being front and center again as the younger Cleve Jones in When We Were, When We Rise. Uh, they both made some impressive music, so together I want to get right into it. First, we got to talk about it here for a second. I mean, we're in a six degrees of Kevin Bacon world, right? So we know that, everyone knows each other. You guys are like a match made in heaven. I, mean, I can't believe some of the stuff. When you look at your stuff that you combined, I mean, you're both from Southern states. You both played high schoolers kind of reinventing a club in high school a bit. Mm -hmm. We had um, Ali from Spring Awakening was in Glee with the Glee Project. Mm -hmm. And Darren Chris was in uh, the movie you were in. I mean, you guys were circling each other for decades, it seems. Talk about this. Yeah, it was pretty incestuous. It was also the biggest thing to me was like, I can't break away from Spring Awakening. <laughs> like I was in a show with Leah and Groff and Jenna, and it was just like, okay, so Spring Awakening is a thing. And, <laughs> and well, yeah, when we met and we worked together, I was like, he was also in Spring Awakening. It's like, how can I not get away from this show? Not that I need to, it's a great show, but it was just following me wherever I went. Yeah, I mean, I it was the same for me where I felt like when I started doing Spring Awakening, the world of Glee just kind of surrounded me. I kept meeting people who were in Glee. I worked with someone who was in Glee, two people who were in Glee. Um, it was just a matter of time and it, it was, it's random how we met. It wasn't through mutuals or anything like that. We both just happened to be working on the same show and then had a little showmance. Um, Kevin actually had the chance to see Spring Awakening uh, two times or three times? Two times when it was in LA and I ended up not being able to go because Glee, as per usual, was running late that day. So I couldn't get out of work, but yeah, I mean, you met Leah, you met a bunch of people from so many people. Yeah. And then I worked with Darren and, and Allie. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, uh, so I guess when we started dating, we kind of already knew each other's circles a little bit, which was, I guess, convenient. Right, I guess. And you guys met on When We Rise, right? So talk about that. Was it kind of sparks at first sight? Did we have a couple lunch dates at the commissary table? How'd this yeah. come about? It was a smooth introduction. We uh -huh. immediately hit it off. Yeah. We had a great connection. Um, 
and the rest is history. What no, it couldn't have been. Yeah, <laughs> it couldn't have been more different than that. I remember going into it because Austin was the lead of the show, and I was only coming in for an episode, and all my scenes were with him, and I didn't know him, but <laughs> I knew that I we had a bunch of mutual friends. So then I was asking around about him, like, is he cool? Is it going to be great to work with? What did people say? And everyone was like, he's cold. <laughs> and I was like, like I, I pride myself on being able to get along with anyone. And so I went into it with the challenge of I'm going to make him like me, but like as a friend. Right. And then when we first met, I went to set to meet the hair and makeup department. And he came in during that meeting and he was in the middle of shooting and sat down in the hair seat. And the makeup artist was going over to introduce me. Austin had his headphones in. Keep in mind, I also have like a a perm, like big perm wig on that they're changing out into my natural hair. So perm. And Austin wouldn't even look at me, didn't turn to say hi. And then the hair person clearly knew Austin's personality by then and pulled out his headphone, turned the chair and said, say hi. <laughs> and let me, let me just clarify, it's, it's, not, it's not that I, was like, oh, I'm the lead of the show. I, you know, I need to, I don't talk to the peasants. It wasn't, it wasn't that. I was, I think I was in a really bad mood that day. Um, and so that's why I was cold to you. But you okay. were also like, he was in, he was doing heavy, that show was very heavy. Yeah. They were doing a lot of heavy things. Like I had that meeting in the first place to talk about my, the, the scars and the rashes I'd be getting put on me. And so... Because the show was about the AIDS uh, epidemic. Yes. And so I I knew that he was probably in the headspace. It was very serious. But I just and took it as another sign of like, I'm going to make him be friends with me. And then slowly but surely, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I To, to be honest, I sort of had a, a similar reaction um, after I was forced to say hello to him. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get this one. And we didn't, I didn't expect it to be anything at all and then um what was it a year later no it was like six months later no not six months when we said i love you that was not six months it was seven or eight months anyway it was a it was like yeah seven or eight we months. became friends first yeah and then right. the romance happened yeah the romance blossomed i love yeah. that but you guys, I remember reading you guys didn't even move in together till like a year ago or so. I mean, you're with each other all the time. Are you ready to build that he shed now that you've been together for a year? I mean, how is this working out for you? I'm glad to see we're together. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. After seven years, is that right? No, after six. Okay. You're don't ask Austin about time. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> it's almost been a year. We've been together seven years. Um, he moved in in January of last year. And it was one of those things where I had been in a relationship previous to this that was also seven years long and we never lived together and it just worked really well. People have their own space and, you know, and so after the first year we were together, he's like, so do you think we should move in together? I was like, no, no, I don't. I just thought that this was my, this is my first relationship. So I thought that was the natural progression of things like a year. Okay, cool. We can live together. Right. Thank, thank God we didn't do that. Um, because uh, I very much value my personal space and alone time. And uh, for the, you know, the remaining years until we moved in together, I was like, yes, I need this separation. But um, no, we moved in and it's been 
Kevin worded the best. I always tell people, he said, um, it's like living alone, but better where it's like, we're just coexisting completely. And there's no, there's no getting in each other's spaces, you know, and it's, oh, it's I need that. I need yeah. And <laughs> where we knew that we both valued for our own sanity, regardless if we were in a relationship or not, of having that independence and that having your own spaces, even within the house that we made sure we sort of carve those outward. Like he has his creative space where he can go do music and that, you know, have that outlet unbothered by me. Um, and like me, and for me, I have like my own space too. So it is nice that we can sort of just be together or be apart, whatever we want. My, my room has a do not disturb sign on it. Um, <laughs> I lock the door when I go in there. Yeah, he locks the door. He's like, why are you locking the door? And I'm like, I don't like being vulnerable. I don't like that someone can attack me with my headphones on. You know, right, that part's weird. The rest I go with, that part's a little yeah, unweird. I try to go in there to like ask, like, what are we doing for dinner or something? And it's locked. I'm like, and he has his phone on do not disturb. So there's no, once he goes in there, he's gone. Yeah. Time yeah. to text. I gotcha. That's good to learn that early on, though. I mean, I am a bear of a certain age, unfortunately. And I'm at the place where I value my time a lot. So it's like, I'll go on a date, I'll go out on something, but it's like, all right, you come over for about two hours. We'll have two hours of fun time, then you got to go home because yeah. I need to sleep in bed. So yeah. yeah. Once you realize how valuable that is, and for so many different reasons, it's hard to part with that. And to if something is worth that, because, you know, you, I think also the older you get, I found for myself, you get into your routine, you know what you like, and you want to maintain that to a certain extent. And so it is nice to be able to make sure that we support each other in that way because we know each other so well, obviously. And then also because we're here, I think we do then push each other to also break out of our yeah. little comfort zones every now and then. Yeah. It also goes back to communication. I feel like always we have such a strong level of communication where like we say everything to each other, everything, even if it's bitchy or whatever, <laughs> we just say it and I, I have learned how to like not take things to heart and to just really like be open to all forms of communication, saying everything, everything that's on your mind. I think that's so valuable. I think that's very valuable. And again, it, it talk about communication. When you're a part like that, it gives you something to talk about. I mean, you guys are in professions where you'll have a lot of downtime at a time and then together. If you're with each other 24 seven, what are you going to talk about, right? There's only so much you can fit into a day. So if you do your own kind of uh, space things, it gives you a lot more kind of things that gives, keeps you interested in the other. So I love that. I think that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Very nice. All right, well, let's kind of break it down separately a little bit. Kevin, I think the last time we kind of went everywhere from NLT to showmance and everything in between, let's do a little catch up for you. I mean, is it bad that I have Alpha Beats in my Christmas playlist? I feel a little guilty, but I love those songs. Oh, that's so sweet. No, I, I love that. That's great. I'm, I'm proud of those songs. You should be. That was fun. I mean, it wasn't a show I'd watch, but the music was amazing. And I, mean, I thought it was that's Yeah, we're still working on it. And so our intention with that is to, it's a children's project, obviously, and it would be a children's TV show, but the music good enough where it doesn't make the parents want to like cut their ears off, you know? <laughs> um, so even though it can be liked by kids and adults, we just wanted to make it so it's not something repetitive and dumbed down because kids have good taste and kids can appreciate a, a good song and some good harmonies. 
definitely. Like I said, I am, I am a Christmas gay. I'm not a Halloween gay. I'm a Christmas gay. So I love all the Christmas stuff. I have playlists and music going on all the time. So I put that in rotation every year. Uh, oh, the last thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. You guys did a great job with that. And um, we'll talk a little more. I mean, I want to talk to, we played Austin's video. You directed that. Was that your first time directing or have you directed before? It was my first time directing by myself. Um, one of my most frequent like creative collaborators, Justin, he and I have directed before that several music videos together for Austin and for David Archuleta. We had done some and he's, he directs a lot more than I do. So he would always try to bring me in to sort of, you know, show me the ropes. And so he was unavailable for the ether video. And we were just like, well, we sort of have to do it this day on the calendar. And I just had to buck up and figure it out. But I'm, we were just talking about it the other day. I, it's one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song Austin has ever made. And I, I must say, I do love the video. I think I grew up, music videos were always my thing. I was obsessed with music videos. Um, I watched them for fun all the time. I really appreciate a good video. And I hate when a song, is better than the music video and the video doesn't complement the song. And so I, I do feel like we sort of nailed it in the way where you hear the song and I get the same feeling from watching the video as I do from the song. Which is, which is really cool because that's, I don't think either of us are very good at talking ourselves up. And I think that both of us can agree how we feel about the video and the song. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty seamless. It was, I feel like that was a seamless, like, I mean, obviously we had like little bumps here and there of, you know, issues on the day or whatever, but I feel like we, I feel like it was really easy to make that video with you. It was pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, and we also like, you know, did it illegally. But yeah. <laughs> as we do. Everybody does stuff. So as long as you don't run into someone, you're not going to get in trouble. I've had a yeah. lot of friends do things there. So who needs a permit? We'll just get there and we'll go yeah. through, be the third production person in line to do it. But as someone shots. I hate breaking the rules. I have a, since I was a kid, I have a really big problem with it. And so I was very nervous about it, but very <laughs> thankful nobody showed up. Well, it was also, it was cold and kind of rainy that day. So no mm -hmm. one wanted to go to the beach. So we got, we got very lucky. Yeah. Well, it was absolutely amazing. Like I said, I thought you guys both did a fantastic job, both in front and behind the camera. I know you've worked with Justin Thorne a lot in the past, so I saw that he edited for you. So that had to give you some comfortability knowing that he was going to be able to take whatever you did and really make it look good. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw it's another Thorn that choreographed it. The choreography was amazing. Was that his sister, girlfriend, wife, whatever? I mean, that was amazing choreography too. Yeah, his sister is an incredible dancer. Um, mm -hmm. Trained all over the world in Italy. And um, she's just, she's so, so good. And we sort of have our little, I think, family, like, creative like family. Collective. Yeah, that we, yeah. she choreographed, She's choreographed everything we've done together, uh, whether it was my music videos or his other music, Austin's other music videos, or even when we've done things with David, we always call on Jesse to just be like, can you, we need you, please help. Yes. And luckily she got to be there and she's brilliant. Like Justin's very, very smart and talented and his sister is just as smart and talented. And so having them as a resource, and like you said, um, very good observation of knowing that he would get the edit of whatever we did, like he'll make this mess look mm -hmm. look okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like between Jesse choreographing, Justin editing, and then we have um, this guy Brian Smaller who 
um, colors all the videos. Oh, nice. He's really the like he's the biggest expense because we try to do these things on a very low budget. Yeah, but we pay Brian full price because it makes a world of difference. He can oh, take something and make it just look. I mean, the, especially with this video, the total look of it, the old school sort of grain and the he, it's unreal. It's my favorite thing. Honestly, I just want to direct music videos so I can like go watch him color videos for an hour. That's all I, it's my favorite part of the process. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, we got to talk about Chick Lafay. I mean, how crazy was that? I talked to, I didn't know Jenna was just finding out she was pregnant at the beginning of it until I talked to her a couple months ago. Yeah. That's an experience in and of itself. Talk about that. Did you have fun with it? I heard Austin was kind of your big support on that, right? I was his drag mother. Yeah. With nice. two queen. Yeah. Yes. Drag partner. My stage mom. Stage mom. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I met, when I initially got asked to do it, I turned to him and I was like, what? He's like, if you don't do this, I'm going to break up with you. <laughs> and I, was like, I don't, I don't love doing like the quote unquote celebrity shows. And I've done a couple of them now, and I, it always feels sort of weird and gross for me to like, but I do them when selfish. I'm like, well, this just sounds really fun. And so, um, yeah, I got to, I eventually got to do it and it was the best experience. I, I ran into Eureka the other day and she was just like, did you enjoy doing it? It looked like you were having fun. Like I had the time of my life. I was very nervous because you go into that thing. I respect drag so much. Right. And these people, these drag queens who are doing it all over the world, all over America in some small bar, and they're doing their own hair and makeup and wardrobe and creative, and they're funny or they're beauty. It's like they have to be good at so many things. And we were showing up and sort of just like sitting there. And that, you know, and it got done to us where I was so concerned about being respectful to the art. And like, I know we're getting to step in and I know this is a very unrealistic representation of what this is because we're working with the best of the best and we're not having to really do anything ourselves. <laughs> that being said, time of my life. I mean, it, there were long days. Yeah, Jenna was early stages of being pregnant and was nauseous and like the, the stomach was growing every day, which was- She was excited to get sent home, she said. She, she said she she wasn't mad about that at all. No, she, she knew. I was like, don't sabotage yourself, Jenna. And I was so worried she's gonna sabotage herself. But when she had to lip sync for her life, and I said <laughs> to everybody, like, if she goes into the splits, she's not trying to go home. And she did the splits. I'm like, okay, she's actually fighting to stay. So but we, it was so nice to be able to do it with her. Mm. And- all the drag queens that came into that show, I mean, Brooklyn and Monet and Juju B were all like a gift from God. Like I felt so thankful. They were all so nice, so funny. They worked their asses off. They were in drag for so long every day. It was insane. I put on just a little bit of makeup because I'm a pasty white boy in Ohio. And I don't know how they put all that stuff on for hours at a time. I take 30 seconds just so I can hide a couple zits or two but it's yeah i don't know i mean that i think everybody should do drag at least once like full drag because i think it it completely unlocked something in me how i feel about myself even physically 
um, how I like move in the world completely changed. And I can never go back from seeing that and feeling that. And it just feels so liberating. I oh, had, that being said, I had zero desire to do drag before. Zero. I, I was of the mind of like, I really enjoy watching it, but like, I don't need to see what this face is going to look like in drag. I'm just going to look like <laughs> my And I did. I did look like my sister, but it was liberating. I think everybody should do it. It looked like an amazing time. I kind of caught on to you early on. I honestly didn't know Jenna the entire time. I had no clue it was Jenna the entire time. Um, I should have put two and two together, but I didn't. But um, I thought you did amazing. Talk about, I mean, your performances were out there. Which was harder, learning Michael Jackson choreography with Harry or learning a drag uh, choreography? That's tough. Um... Honestly, I, I hmm. they were sort of even because the stuff with Harry, I hadn't danced in so long, mm-hmm. not in a wheelchair. And you're dancing next to like one of the best dancers I've ever encountered. And then doing an artist that I was trying to, you know, I don't know, do justice. And so that was nerve wracking. And you know that millions of people are going to see it, which is also crazy like when you're doing that and you're showing up to work every day i'm like i know the amount of people that are going to see this it's a little daunting drag race it was mostly so there was a time it might have been the second episode where jenna and i were backstage and i was like are you nervous she's like no are you it's like no and i have terrible nerves but because we didn't actually have to sing right it's we're like oh we enjoy performing and we get to go do this fun choreography where I'm just being like a hoe the whole time. <laughs> so it wasn't, I think that was like the the freedom and the liberation of doing drag was even if you mess up, play it off. Like you can still just, because it's about the joy of it. However, the heels, I might say drag was harder because the heels of it all, I I never really figured it out and they ended up, putting me in these really ugly blocking shoes because I was dancing so much and so, and more than some of the other people that were on the show. Um, and, and I broke a couple heels like right before I was supposed to go out. And so, yeah, that, that was stressful, but honestly, the, I don't know, the dancing was fun. I enjoyed it. And once I got the heel situation under control a bit, um, then I could sort of let go, but, some of your best performances are on that show. Yeah, I'm proud of like my bitch better have my money performance. I was like, this is the oh, thing I've so my entire life. So you kicked ass on that. The judges were loving it. As a drag mama there, Austin, what was your proudest moment and the most cringeworthy moment watching this all go through? Uh, proudest moment. Um, I mean, honestly, the first time they said Chick Lafay, um, that was uh, <laughs> you named me. I did so. Um, that was maybe that was pr- more proud of myself than him. <laughs> uh, no, bitch, better have my money. And then what was um the one with the candy? The first one, the first goodies. One. That was also very good. So many good numbers. Um, cringiest. I mean, I thought it was bullshit. He went home. I thought he should have stayed. I thought he should have won. Um, objectively, objectively, I thought he was better than some of them. Um, <laughs> I, I thought he. I thought he was a shoe in so but i wasn't surprised at the at the decision um 
but it was bullshit. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, It was rigged. It was rigged. Damn it. All right. We'll finish up, Kevin. Let's talk a little bit about doing the the podcast. I was so excited. I know you guys stopped. I mean, we talked during Showmance before you guys were doing that. I still think it's funny. We talked. I was listening to our show when I was doing research for Jenna and you guys were talking about weddings and everything back then on the show. You had your wedding thing and yep. you possibly being made about it. Then you had to pop in as man of honor at the end. So you were foreshadowing a lot back there. But That's true. I didn't know. I mean, you totally <laughs> understand that it was very difficult after you kind of transitioned over to a Glee thing, uh, more of a recap, and then with Naya. But it's so exciting to see you back. Has it been cathartic? Has it been as much fun as it looks? It looks like you guys are just having a great time. Yeah, it's been both of those things. Super cathartic. And it's been a lot of fun. We obviously, as you know, we're very hesitant to do it again. And it just sort of, I don't know, I think we had enough time away and a shift in perspective and talking to Ryan about it and him being so willing to come on and sort of bear all was really such a gift. And I think that's that's what we wanted from it. You know, you can set as many intentions as you want. You never sure. know if it's actually going to happen. And I think luckily it was start, started with the top down. So if like the creator of Glee is being this open and honest about it, then it gave us permission to be open and honest. And then everybody after him to be that open and honest. And yeah, it, it feels like now that it's just such a gift. I think talking to a lot of the cast and especially some of the crew members, because the crew members don't often get to speak publicly about their experiences and they're there before us and after us. And there was very little turnover on the show. And so being able to hear their perspective of the experience, because they're also not out in the world. They weren't going on tour. They're not doing the press stuff. So their perspective is entirely different. And like one of my favorite episodes was with Adam, I believe, the song guy, and he hmm. would say he couldn't even get a freaking jacket at the end. So yeah, it's very much unseen talent there. But yeah, that is my favorite part of the show is the the recaps are fun and your memories, but the guests you've had on, I think, is the best part for me because you've really been able to talk open, honest, and have a little fun with it. So that that's I think as a listener, and I hate to be a old guy, uh, Glee fan. I'm probably probably your oldest listener, but it's really fun to see you guys enjoy it and be able to kind of feel those emotions in a safe space a little more. So that's yeah, nice. I mean, my whole thing about the show is I have really positive memories and I hold it in a really positive esteem in my own head. Like it is, it was a great experience. And I think because of the things that have happened afterwards, understandably that has shifted how people feel about the show in hindsight. And I think it was just really important for me and then for Jenna to remember, like, we had some of the best times of our lives on this show. And other people watching it felt the same way. And to be able to talk about that or remind people that even worked on the show that that's how we felt at the time um, has has just been so rewarding. And I I know some of the crew members have texted us afterwards being like, you know, I was so scared to talk about it because I have so many mixed feelings about it. But now I feel so happy and I forgot about all those joyous moments. And so it it has been very, very cathartic, I think, for everyone. I love that. Well, I, I was drawn to the show. I mean, like I said, I'm an old, probably one of your oldest fans, but I got 
I like to say banished to Northeast Ohio. I'm from LA area. So I was banished to Northeast Ohio in 2005, I think it was. So now I'm living in all these areas. I go to Akron, I go through Lyme, I go off to this place in Ohio, and I was in show choir in West Covina. Um, mm -hmm. I remember doing regionals at Whittier College. So yeah, wow. so this, this show was very uh, emotional to me that way. It was kind of fun to think about it. So yeah, I do love it, and I appreciate everything you guys do to keep the memory alive in the positive sense. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Austin, let's kind of jump over to you. Um, we're going to get into your new music in a bit. Let's talk about Spring Awakening. I think from what I found in my research, you were really planning on this whole actor and singing gig. This was one of your first things, brought you to L.A., slept in your car. Talk about that entire experience in Spring Awakening because amazing show. Amazing. Thanks. Uh, I mean, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. Um, it's crazy to think how long ago that was. Um, but yeah, I was going to school uh, to become a sign language interpreter and a special education teacher. And then um, this through, through this research project I had to do for my uh, deaf culture class, uh, stumbled upon this YouTube video casting call for Deaf West Spring Awakening in Los Angeles. And um, sort of as a fun little experiment, I decided to send in an audition tape. Um, and yeah, then they, the, that summer they called me and asked me to come to LA and do the show. Um, and I said no originally, um, cause I was working at the summer camp that I was very passionate about. And, um, my friends sat me down and said, you have to do this. You have no idea where this is going to lead. Um, this is obviously some crazy life opportunity that's being handed to you for whatever reason. And, um, just decided to do it based off that. And then, you know, a year later, I was a year and a half later, I was on Broadway making my debut. Um, so you won a little award for that Broadway debut, by the way. Hint, uh, hint, we think. What was that? I said, and you won a little uh, debut award for that as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a whirlwind and it was, um, you know, I was, I, I lived in my car for the first uh, few months when I lived out here, which actually I've learned is not, that crazy of a story. I feel like a lot of people who move out here either couch surf or live in their car. Um, but yeah, it's just, I never would have thought I'd be in LA. Never thought I would do Broadway. Um, never, never thought I would pursue acting um, or music really. And um, you know, it's, it's just crazy how things happen. You know, it's crazy how things happen. If I hadn't worked at that camp and learned sign language, I wouldn't have gotten this job. I wouldn't have met Kevin. I wouldn't have discovered my passion for music wouldn't have found my home of LA. Um, so it was just, it was just crazy. It was crazy. Um, but I loved every second of the job working, rehearsing, doing, doing the show on stage. Uh, just the, just the best feeling. The live theater is just the best feeling, honestly. I'm six hours from New York where I'm at, I'm right on the PA Ohio border. So it's only about a six and a half hour drive to New York. I didn't get to make it up for spring awakening. I'm also a huge superhero fan and theater. My two big geeks are Broadway and superheroes. So when Andy Mientis was in it, because I love him from theater, then he was on Flash, of course. So it's like uh, the cast was amazing. I wanted to sneak up there for it and couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, you guys well, had some amazing I, I, I had two friends that went and saw it and said you guys were out of this world. Well, I tracked down a fan of the show who has a bootleg and downloaded it from them. So if you need an illegal bootleg, I got you. <laughs> You and I are going to chat after the show. I love that. Thank you. Very nice. 
All right, well, let's go into speech and debate. I mean, we talk about something in common here. Kevin was uh, in this geeky club from high school. Now you guys, uh, three of you, um, kind of being different areas. You're trying to start a GSA, and we're having all this trouble with the faculty. Let everyone know what speech and debate was about, and how was that to work on as a project? Um, it was fun. It was really scary. It was my first film. Um, and I remember even on, on day one, um, when they put your marks down on the ground for you to, you know, stand here when you say this line and stand here when you say this line, so that way the camera is doing the right thing. I didn't even know what that was. I had to fully <laughs> just guess, you know, they say, this is your mark. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever that means. I assume I have to stand here. Um, I learned a lot on that. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, I look back now and I really wish I would have just done everything differently. <laughs> But um, I suppose I suppose you should think that way. I, I suppose you should always think you can improve. Learning experiences, that's all they are. I mean, you, we all have our first times and things, so it's great to be able to learn from it. And when you look back, you, you, you don't realize what you learned at the time until mm -hmm. you look back on it. Then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I get that now. So. Yeah, I was just, I was so green. I didn't know what my process was for acting or preparation. Like, it just, yeah, I was just so green. Um, it was fun. I, I got really close with um, with the cast, and it was just, it was just like a good, cute time. It kind of felt like summer camp, kind of felt like summer camp in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> I love that. And I want to go into when we rise. I mean, I um, loved the miniseries. We just had World AIDS Day a couple of weeks ago when we we're filming this, and I've always done some different tributes and gone to a lot of dinners and everything for that. So all LGBT causes are so important, but this was just. Such a well-known story to the older gay community. It was great to see it for a new generation. What did you kind of learn while you're on set, and what kind of experience was that? I mean, you were with some amazing people there. Yeah, I mean, if I if I thought speech and debate was scary, and I felt green, that was nothing compared to when we eyes because I was just a whole when we eyes was a whole different level. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like. It was it was so interesting because I was going through a lot personally at the time, and I was also learning how to, you know, be a lead in this you know big TV show, this big mini series. Um, but I think on top of all of that, learning about LGBT uh, queer community history, I think really guided me through that entire process. Um, Cleve Jones, the character that I got to play, um, you know, legendary activist. Um, he, he was there the whole time, uh, and he was there coaching me. He was there telling me the bits of history in between the scenes of context for different scenes. And, um, he was like, he was a bit of like a father figure while I was on the show and, and really helped guide me through all of that. And I think that's the big thing I really take away from that is my relationship with Cleve. We were just, um, up North visiting him. Was it like two months ago? Yeah. A couple like, months ago. Yeah. I got that right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, just to, I don't know if I can say this, you can cut it out, but like to be smoking pot with like this, like legendary, <laughs> legendary um, activist. I mean, that's just the coolest thing. And to feel like I have this connection now to such a rich, important, vital history that everyone should know about, especially queer people. Um, I just feel so lucky. I feel so lucky that, that I know a lot of people who don't know the history and I have this like easy connect to it. I feel so lucky to have that. It really, it really makes me value my queerness now. That's awesome. 
I'm just distributed through iHeart. I'm not sponsored by them. So we can cuss. We can say whatever we want. We're good to go. Don't worry about it. Uh, if we go too much, we'll bleep it out because I do have to distribute to them eventually. <laughs> as long, the rules I've learned in eight years of doing this is as long as you don't swear in the first five minutes, you can be on YouTube, no problem, and swear. And if you, uh, if you bleep out more than five or six swear words for iHeart, you can say an iHeart. So, Amazing. Good to you know. Learn the little clues of the world. <laughs> well, let's talk about your music, Oz. I mean, we're talking, we're working on your fourth album now. We start with Melancholy, Nightshade, Somewhere in Space. How did the whole music come about? I mean, that's uh, you guys both have different sounds, but you guys are both amazing in your music work. Um. Well, I mean, I had always sort of played around with writing music, you know, when I was a kid, and and you know, had this. You know, everyone had the dream of being the big mega superstar, um, you know, when they grow up. And and I had, you know, I had done Spring Awakening. I had, you know, I'd done theater. I'd done TV. I'd done film. And after all that was done and I was back here uh, developing this relationship with Kevin and sort of sitting tight and paying my dues for a little bit, um, I had I really reflected on, OK, do I want to be acting? Do I want to be doing theater? Like, what is it that I actually want to do? Because these jobs had sort of just happened and fallen on me. Um, and uh, the conclusion I reached was, yes, that's still a passion of mine. That's something I want to pursue. But I really wanted to tap into something that felt a little more liberating, which was creating. And um, I, it was honestly through Kevin. Um, he gave me the confidence uh, to share my stuff with him, whether it was bad or good. Um, and... Once I was able to un open that door and start to share my music with with someone, um, it just gave me the confidence to say, if I actually want to do this, I have to I have to just do it. And so I remember sitting down with him one day and and I said, you know, what? I think I'm going to make an album. I have the concept. I have the idea. I'm just going to do it. And I look back and I really hate that album. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's really how it started for me was was just using the confidence he gave me to propel me into creating. And it turns out that is my greatest passion. Um, and I, I'm obsessed with writing music and making music. I wish I could do it every single day, all day. Um, leading into the album I just wrote, which is all about him. Um, uh, yeah, big mistake, huge. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I just don't see myself ever stopping really. We're going to talk about that on the other side, because I remember Kevin talking about him writing his songs for you and his uh, EP was all about you. And then I hear you talking about this is all about Kevin. I can't find a guy I want to give 345s and a mixtape to. And you guys are doing entire <laughs> albums to each other. So I'm a little jealous. Well, I just got an EP. I'm giving him a whole album. Yeah, but it took you <laughs> years. And I, he, I put that EP out four years ago. Yeah, and one of the songs on that EP is about his last boyfriend. And one of the songs in your album is about my last boyfriend. Exactly. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. I can't wait to go into this. Well, Kevin, let's switch the um, uh, the drag mama hat on the other side. As a singing mama, what's been your proudest things to see Austin kind of come alive in his music? And what has been his cringe moments you've been helping him through? Um, you know, I think initially... He's so honest. I, I need to know. No, I, initially when we started... When he brought up the whole music thing and he worked with Justin Thorne, 
um because they did a song for oh, yeah, the speech and debate, debate sound, right, soundtrack and it was sort of like you're good you're really good and you have a not just a singing voice but like a voice in terms of writing and a style and he was like this is what i want to do i want to make music i'm like you just have to start it and i think incrementally you know change is mm -hmm. progress is slow and i i think there was some point maybe it was two years later he was like you know i'm not, I'm not where i want to be it's like this the, the music isn't what i want it to be yeah and it was like okay but had you told yourself two years ago that you'd be like two albums in we now have a system for making music videos we now have you now have producers that you have found and like and that you work with consistently because two years ago you had nothing mm -hmm. You had no connections to anybody, any sort of support other than us being like, yeah, go get them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this can only get you so far right. and without like a budget to do these things. And so I think being able to remind him and check in with him, because I think it's hard when you're the one doing it and you're in it. It's hard to see the progress you've made if it's not some overwhelming, like, look, now I'm Beyonce type success <laughs> right. where success looks different for everyone. And I'm very proud of him in that way, where one, I think he's extremely, extremely talented, where unbiased, like I'm not embarrassed to be like, listen to his music. It's not just because I'm dating him. Like he's <laughs> actually very good um, because I'm a critical bitch. Exactly. It's in our DNA. It's when I showed him my album about him, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is so endearing and you know thank i love you it wasn't that it was here's what's wrong with it change this <laughs> this note is wrong you need to tune this i will yeah i think the cringiest moments um it's hard for me so he had an album listening party uh, like a month ago for this new album and it wasn't cringy i was just i don't like attention at certain times if i'm on stage yes give me the attention otherwise i don't necessarily love the attention and so when he's up there telling everyone like introing the album this album's all about kevin i'm like oh god I'm like, i i need you to not and then the album's playing and the songs i think are incredible and are very good and i try to not connect them to me at all I'm like his art is great it's you know independently of me it's great um <laughs> It makes me very uncomfortable. But our friend actually, our friend Nico, uh, went to an album listening party of his, and he, I ran into him the other day. He's like, "Yeah, I was just sitting in a corner crying, being like, this is so beautiful.'" <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's not, that's not. No, that was cringy for you. What's something yeah. cringy I have done? His that's first cool. album, he's off pitch a lot. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, he didn't know he didn't know the ways i wasn't working with the right people auto tune and melodyne you know just we'll bring you up to the note or bring you down to the note just a, a little bit there you go i read the best thing today a good friend of mine greg cope white he's a producer and a writer and he was very good friends with norman lear who just passed he said one of the best piece of advice that norman gave him is that you don't learn anything from praise right you only learn from people who are willing to say things for you. So I think it's great to be, I mean, you don't want to be brutally honest all the time, but I think it's important to be honest, especially when you want people to improve. You love that person and you want them to do better, right? Yeah, I, I think I do need to do a good job. I, I need to be reminded that I also need to give positive reinforcement and positive <laughs> feedback. But I think 
my instinct to immediately start with here are the things you need to change if i didn't think one it was worth it or that if i didn't think this was even good enough to even try to adjust or if i didn't believe in you that much i wouldn't give anything i'd be like yeah that's really good like that's great good job but it's sort of because like oh no 97 percent of this is great i don't need to touch it i don't want it like it's good let's just talk about these few minor details that i think would really like you know make it perfect. I think he's also able to give that feedback because he knows how important it is to me and he knows that I want it to be the best it can be. And vice versa with anything he creates and, you know, his music, um, his projects, I'm the exact same way. I, we both, what we both want to make the best possible thing. And that requires you to drop your ego. Yeah. I sugarcoating it just wastes time. I'm like, let's just tell me what you think. Awesome. All right, like I told you before we started, I'm going to talk way too long because I love you guys. I know we've been on forever, so long. We ramble, so. <laughs> so let's go ahead and take a quick little break. We're going to play Electric Kiss from Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and my listeners. So we're going to get a little sneak in here. I've already, okay, I got to admit that you guys haven't seen this yet because you just sent me over the audio. I've added a bunch of pictures of you guys kissing over the top of it. So oh, it's going to be. Speaking of cringe, it's going to be a little fun when you guys see this eventually down the line. Yeah. Guys, let's play a little bit of Austin. This is Electric Chris. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show, right here on the Left of Straight Network, with my very special guest, Kevin and Austin. We'll be back on the other side. All right, thank you. Yeah. So we drive from California 
right, guys, we are back. That was Electric Kiss from my very special guest today. Austin P. McKenzie is here. He is, of course, the singer of that. His uh, handsome and talented boyfriend in his own right, Kevin McHale, is here with him. Um, Austin, congratulations. Talk about how that song came about. We were talking earlier that these are all dedicated to Kevin. Hide your head for a second, Kevin. Um, talk about the writing process for this song and how it came about. Um, I think this was the second song I wrote for the record, and um, I'm I'm very the reason why I think of things as albums, and I and I want to release albums is because I think very conceptually. I think when I sit down to write, I want to tell a full story. I want to tell the important parts of the story, and this was this is the second second song on the album, and it sort of jump starts the story. Um, where it was, the, it's it's about the first time that we kissed. Um, and I remember, oh, this is gonna be so gross. I hate this. Oh, no. I remember, I remember when we, but you asked. So I have to slowly go out of frame here. Oh, right. It's so disgusting. Um, the first time that we kissed, I said he had the, the best lips ever. And um, nice. uh, so I wrote a song about that. And uh, a big, like a core, foundation our relationship is dancing um and i wanted to write a song and a lot of songs on the album that would make you want to dance because if i'm going to write an album about us it has to reflect that and um there's a lot of lines in the song about that about us dancing um and yeah i just i, I think it was i think that, so this album i i was able to tap into something i think hopefully um something fun and something light and easy to listen to um and that was really my aim for this and i wrote this one really fast and i i sort of finished it, it was like oh i think this is fun i think i wrote a happy song finally um <laughs> about me because it's about you i mean you're yeah. <laughs> saying i'm fun and easy and light uh <laughs> you're easy I love that. Well, some of the pictures you guys sent over, it's going to be in our promo picture. We have Kevin back there dancing the night away. So I definitely see that. But uh, that's fantastic, though. I love that that kind of when you can bring those emotions out to the front in yourself and, it, and make it come across to others and then all of a sudden bring that emotion out in them. That's the best part of being a performer, a singer, songwriter, whatever. So congratulations. That is great. Yeah. I mean, when I finished writing that song, I sort of saw what the rest of the album was going to be. It sort of all clicked for me. I knew how to, I knew what style I was going to write in. I knew the genre I was going to write in. Um, so that this Electric Kiss is actually like the most important song in the album to me, just because it really just locked everything in for me. And from there, the songs just came out super easy. And I think it's, like our, I think it's our favorite song on the album. Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it does encapsulate encapsulates everything. Yeah, and we plan on doing a music video for it, so be on the lookout for that. That's awesome. How many songs ended up being on the album total, and when is your expected release date? Nine songs probably. change. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it it could change. Nine songs, and I really, really believe in this album. I really believe in every single song individually. So. Uh, the plan is to release the album chron uh, in chronological order, uh, one song every month. So it'll be nine months um, of releasing songs, my little baby. And um, <laughs> and uh, that'll probably start in February. Um, and nice. it'll get a month of 
hard pushing on social media and marketing and whatnot. I mean, talk about this, Kevin, especially the music industry has changed so much, right? It used to be you had to put out an EP, you had to put out an album. Now everything's streaming where you make half a cent on every 10,000 views and people don't even need to buy an entire EP. They'll buy the songs they want and choose from it. It's got to be very different releasing albums now. I mean, when you guys were doing the show, you guys were going number one the first couple of seasons for every song. Mm-hmm. How is how is what is the good part? What are the good um, changes that's happening in the music industry, and what's kind of sucking wind right now? Um, I think the I don't know. It, it's sort of like a catch twenty two because I think with any advent of any change within the music industry there's always this feeling of like oh i miss the good old days remember when we used to do this or that it's always been since the dawn of time and so i think the music industry is always going to come up against something that changes and something that's hard on the artists or the songwriters um but it's just sort of how the world is like you know it went from vinyl to eight tracks to cds and so and all of those things were sort of like, ugh, CD, I'm not using that, or a tape, like what? And then, <laughs> like, I mean, when I, pre-Glee, I started, I was in the music business. I had a record deal when I was 17. And that was sort of, they were all aware, like all the executives and everyone, they were like, this is probably the last year or two of us operating like this. Wow. And they were telling us that, like they fully knew and the contract started to change. <clears throat> because it was harder to make money uh, because albums weren't selling. I mean, I think a couple things. I think what streaming has done has opened up the music business to the world, which I think is incredible, which to give access to anybody in any part of the world to put out something. Lil Nas X put out some song on YouTube and it became the longest running number one of all time. And I think that is um, invaluable. However, streaming also makes it very, very difficult for songwriters, especially and artists, to make any money off of streaming. It is extremely hard. Um, which is which also then leads to touring is great, and touring has come back bigger than ever before, because that's where the artists can make the money. So I mean. I don't know. It's just, it's different. I don't know if it's any better or worse. It's just different. And I I think the worst part of it for me is the having to promote yourself on social media stuff, because I saw um, a video on TikTok the other day. If Tom York, the lead singer of Radiohead, if that's how the business was when Radiohead was coming out, we would have never had a Radiohead. We'd have never had a lot of the artists that we had because there's no way they were ever going to do that and so i think it takes away from the artistry like it's like just because someone's wants to make music and they're good at making music doesn't mean that they want to spend hours of every single day talking about themselves on social media so i do think that sucks but you know it is what it is i hear that that's good good advice i like that and austin i did i went reached out to my listeners if anyone any questions and there's couple questions for each of you. I'll start with this first one. Uh, Quentin gave one for each of you. We'll get to Kevin's in a minute. But for Austin, while your album isn't out officially, 
you did do a release party on your streaming platform. What was it like to have these lucky fans hear your music for the first time and get some feedback from them? How was that? It was so good. I almost passed out. Um, literally, 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 uh, I had to take over hosting the album listening thing cause he was about to faint. Yeah. It was, it was so embarrassing. I, so much had led up to this, the, the entire album making process had led up to this listening party night and I had put so much pressure on it and we're listening to the album you know, with people in the room, with people streaming, uh, on Instagram and, um, at the very end of the album, the very last song, I turned to Kevin and I said, I think I'm gonna faint. And he said, go downstairs, I'll take care of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was uh, a lot of pressure I put on myself leading up to that. Um, and, but ultimately I just want people to hear the music. I, I, obviously, I mean, that's, you know, any artist's goal, but um, uh, yeah, it was magical. It was magical, it was a relief. It It felt really good. That's awesome. Well, Quentin loved it. He said just to, to let you guys know, and uh, he wanted to hear how that was for you. I'm going to do a couple rapid fire questions we finish up that I got from different people just to kind of give quick answers to. Um, have you found any challenge in either industry, acting or singing, as an openly gay performer? Is it worse in acting than in music to maybe get some roles or to get picked up? Any, is there a quick answer to that? Or is there only long answers to that? Um, I, I think for I think music, you don't feel it as much. I don't um, acting. As soon as I came out publicly, I was sort of only getting to audition for gay roles all of a sudden, which felt it was great that they wanted gay people for gay roles, but it was also felt limiting in the sense of well, there's a lot of straight roles as well. So I, there was still, and there still is that. I think. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and Austin, I mean, with all your sign language background and everything, do you find you end up emoting more when you sing or do you feel like you have to pull it in? Talk about how that helps your performance wise. I don't do it. Do I do it? When I was in college, I used to do that a lot. Uh, I was very, very emotive. People would tell me that all the time, but I don't know if I do that anymore. You do. You do this. His hands are like always going by his face. <laughs> always, I'm casting spells. You know? Yeah. But I think it's come, it looks like it comes from that, though. Because I don't know if you did that before you knew ASL, but. Next question for Kevin. It seems like you're very smart in your selection of choices of what you decide to do. How do you decide what you want to do um, when you take on a project? Um, thanks to whoever asked that. I don't know if that's true. Um, I just do what, honestly, I just do whatever. It's the two things. Like, does this seem fun? And also, does it seem like a challenge? Am I scared a little bit? And then that's sort of it. I get past the, how is this going to look? I don't know. I was like, I don't, is this a new skill I'm going to learn? Let's try it. Nice. All right. And for both of you, um, any advice you would give to any up-and-coming performers, either through music or through acting, what have you noticed in the industry now that would be a, a quick hint? I always say you just have to love it and believe in yourself to the point of like almost delusion because <laughs> you're, it's going to be mostly rejection, which is fine. So get used to that. But no one else is going to believe in you unless you do first. Yeah. And so if you, if it's like, I watch Austin with his music. And he loves his music so much that 
that's the point where it doesn't matter if you have gigantic success or little success, it doesn't matter. I think that's how it should be. Like you're doing it because it loves you, it feeds you, it completes you. And I think that's what you have to have, that level of passion to get through it. Cause it's hard. Yeah. Austin? You just you just have to want it more than anything else. You have to be willing to make the sacrifice of probably never having stability, of having to put yourself out there every single day with little return of working shitty jobs because you have to pay your bills and you have to pay for the actual music you want to make. So you have to, if you, if you don't, you know, you know that you're not going to want to do it if you're not willing to put in the effort because there's a lot of effort you have to put in. Well said, my friend, any upcoming projects beside the new album that you guys can tease or talk about, or just kind of playing it by ear as we get out of the strike and everything else going on. Um, possibly i don't know if there's anything i can say because you know how things are it's yes. like things get talked about and then you things go away just as easy as they come so maybe percolating. they're percolating out there for you i yes. like that <laughs> and this is going to be labor of love for you for at least another three or four months austin anything else that you have what do you see i mean once you have this birth and out there, what do you see as your next uh, project you'd like to work on? Well, I literally said to Kevin last night at 1230, I said, <clears throat> um, I think I just finished the last song for my next album. <laughs> so I'm going to sit down tonight and listen to the whole thing. So, um, which I have a lot to tell you about from that, by the way, lots of things. I he learned. doesn't stop. He's a machine. But I love it. I love it. I, I, I just want to write. So I'm, so I'm always 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 writing um so yeah there's that little album to look forward to i will also say on austin's behalf right before the strike he there was a movie he was going to do that didn't end up happening because of the strike and then he was testing for multiple shows like within the same week and so those are things you don't see people doing where and they're stressful and they happen all the time and like he's so good i think he's so good and you don't get down to the final few rep repeatedly um, if you're not good. So I do think now that the strike is over, that just you wait. Yes, he should. Hopefully, he'll be <laughs> everywhere. We'll see. Well said. I love that. Brag upon your man. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to finish up, Kevin. Um, I gotta say, I've been so fortunate to have you and Jen. It's been on the show four times. This is your second time. I appreciate you both so much. And one of the things I love about you guys is how dedicated you are to your fans, to your friends you made along the way. Let's talk about Snicksmas for a second. We're in our annual um, talk. I let everyone know who it is in case they're not familiar with it. So Snicksmas um, was named after a Christmas annual Christmas party Naya Rivera used to throw for the cast and crew of Glee, like the most extravagant, opulent parties that we all used to think she was getting paid a lot more than the rest of us. <laughs> um, and after she passed, we just wanted to do something to honor her, honor her legacy. And she worked really closely with a local, um, charity here called Alexandria house that helps women and children in need of transitional housing, education, community. They do everything. It's a really, really incredible organization. And so we decided to name a holiday fundraiser, Snicksmas in honor of her and her parties. And this is our fourth year doing it. We've 
coming into this year, we had raised um, between two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand dollars for Alexandria House, and that's from all over the world. I mean, to see her impact um, like that has been truly astounding. Like we knew, but when you see people actually putting down money like that from all parts of the world is um, really meaningful. And Alexandria House is very appreciative of it. And this year, we got permission to put out one of her old songs that has never been released properly, officially. There were some leaks online, but it was never, you know, legally released. <laughs> and so this time it it was, and it's just, we wanted people to hear her voice again um, in a new song and because she sounds incredible and the proceeds from that are going to Alexandria House. And also, um, even better, or in addition to, you can also go to Alexandra House's website um, and donate on their Snicksmas page. Um, we were trying to raise $50,000. We're close. Um, thanks to you, actually. You donated $200, which is extremely, extremely generous. Thank you so much for doing that. And thanks to if anyone's listening who has already donated, or even if you can't donate, if you tell your friends or family about it, um, just thank you so much. And, you know, year after year, people show up and show out and it's um, such a gift and we're all very, very appreciative of it. Well, I think you guys are going to blow away that 50,000. I think you're at 20 something. Now you have another week to go. It's my honor to be able to do that. I wanted to donate my 200 in honor of you and Jenna and Corey and Naya who are just love all of you guys. And I'm going to put a challenge out there right now because people aren't doing all these huge donations, right? It's five, 10, $25 at a time. Yeah. So Left of Street Radio is going to match donations, $5, dollars $25, up to $300 more. We want to make a total of $500 donation in honor of Naya and Sticksmith. So go ahead and do that out there, guys. Um, let me know. Send me a DM. And I appreciate you guys doing this so much. That's um, incredible. Amazing work. So, well, listen to how small the amount is. It all adds up. And we'll get you to mention. <laughs> That's incredible. Thank you so much. I think you guys are incredible. Austin, thanks for coming on for the first time. It's so great learning your story and learning your guys' story together. Been an amazing time. Thank you both for your time today. And thanks for being on the Left of Straight Show. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Thank so you good so to much. see you. All right. Well, Austin, you're going to have to let us know all the release details. We'll get that out later. Be sure to listen uh, for um, and That's What You Really Miss podcast, of course. A couple episodes. I don't know. You guys are going to talk yourself out of a job. How have you done three seasons in one year? I don't understand. I, I don't know. We, we need to slow down the iHeart machine, you know? <laughs> you pump You're it. going to talk yourself out of a job in a year and a half all of a sudden. It's like uh, there's only six seasons. Ago. I know. Yeah. Crazy. All right, guys, check out all the links below. We're going to have a special five questions with Austin and Kevin next week. So be sure to look for that on Tuesday. Thanks, as always, for listening to Left a Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. We'll see you next time, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.